darkly splendid abodes. The official podcast of Toronto Thelema. Exploring, if you will, practical philosophy. From science and the workings of the mind, to spirituality, esotericism, and magic. Stooping down, dipping my wings, I came into the darkly splendid abodes. The star sapphire is Aleister Crowley's spin on the hexagram ritual of the Golden Dawn, first appearing in his little book of meditations entitled The Book of Lies Falsely So-Called. It joins the star ruby and the mass of the phoenix as rituals commonly associated with the Thelemic corpus. Edward Mason joins me to discuss this so-called real and perfect ritual of the hexagram. Do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. Love is the law. Love under will. Can you introduce what we're discussing today? Certainly. Um, we'll start, we're discussing the star Sapphire, which is chapter 36 of the Book of Lies that was published in, in yeah, 1912 or 1913 by Crowley. Mm-hmm. Um, Crowley did a lot of rituals. There's the Gnostic Mass, there's Liber Cadaveris, the Mass of the Phoenix. And in the Book of Lies, he's got a new version of the pentagram ritual, which is the Star Ruby, at least the vanishing version. And a what he calls the uh, definitive um, version of the hexagram ritual, which is the star sapphire. Now, everyone, you know, you, you play around with these rituals, and some of them like really just wow, and some of them it's like, eh. mm-hmm. and I don't go for all of Crowley's rituals. And when I was doing the star ruby, I did that. For the, about six or eight months of my life and finally thought this isn't happening for me it just feels odd mm-hmm. and with some skepticism i thought okay i'll try this star sapphire thing and there was a ooh feeling right after i'd done that and i thought that this is one i want to keep and it's one i've returned to a number of times each time with a better understanding or perhaps I should say less understanding of what I'm doing because (laughs) the thing opens out in ways that I never expected to. Crowley assigns the star ruby, a pentagram ritual, to chapter 25 of the Book of Lies. 25 is five by five, so it links it to Gevura on the Tree of Life. The star sapphire is chapter 36, six times six, which links it to Tefereth. And usually the hexagram ritual is associated with Tefereth. I think that there's also a reference here to Hod, uh, the eighth era. Uh, 28 is one of the significant numbers of Hod. It's all the numbers from one to eight added together. The name Eloha is a god name of Hod. According to one source that I'm having trouble verifying, Set, the god of Egypt, was sometimes identified with Mercury, which is the planet associated with Hod. So I think that there is a thing here that you need to look at Hod as well as Tefereth. Hmm. 
Bear in mind that the Book of Lies is a book of riddles and paradoxes and koans and all kinds of stuff. And the, Crowley was realizing it, you need to break down your intellectual categories about magic or you you just get stuck roundabout hold oh here we are we got the rational systems and rationality and reason and stuff yeah 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 but you've got to get to beyond that mm -hmm. and that's what i think he was saying in this um ritual hmm. what is this ritual let's quickly go through this let the adept be armed with his magic rood r -O, o d which is an old word for a cross and provided with his mystic rose in the center, let him give the LVX signs, or if he know them, if he will and dare do them, and can keep silence about them, the signs of NOX being the signs of Puer, Vir, Puella, and Mulier, amid the sign of Isis rejoicing. Puer is with the, the adolescent with the erection, Vir is the one with the horns, Puella is the virgin female guarding herself modestly. Amulia is the sign of the mother of Venus, um, Venus or Isis, opening herself to receive the divine force or the sexual attentions of her partner. All right, you go around the circle, <clears throat> starting in the east, and make the holy hexagram, saying, Pater et Mater unus Deus Ararita. Father and mother, one God, Ararita. Then you go to the south saying mother and father. I'm doing this in English rather than Latin. Mm -hmm. Mother and son, one God, Ararita. In the west, son and daughter, Unus Dias, Ararita, one God, Ararita. And finally, in the north, you make the holy hexagram and say daughter and father, one God, Ararita. So basically, you've gone through Yod, He, Vav, He here. Yod being the father, the first He being the mother, Vav being the son, second He for He final being the daughter. Let him then return to the center and so to the center of all, making the rosy cross as he may know how, saying, Ararita, Ararita, Ararita. In this, the signs shall be those of Set, Triumphant, and of Baphomet, also shall set appear in the circle. Let him drink of the sacrament and let him communicate the same. Then let him say, Omnir in duos duo in unum unus in nihil, hayek nec quatuor nec omnia nec duo nec unus nec nihil sunt, gloria patriot matriot filio et filii et spiritui sancto externo et spiritui sancto interno. Ut erat est erit in saecula saeculorum sex in uno per nomen septum in uno ararita. Okay, quickly to some translations. Ararita is, there's three different Hebrew versions I've come across this. The one I use is achad rosh akadutho rosh yikadutho tumoratho akad, which means Roughly, one is his beginning, one is his individuality, his permutations are one. It's a statement about the oneness of God or the holy guardian angel, whatever your preferred mm -hmm. language. There are variant translations, but that's the essence of it. All of that Latin uno in duos duo in unum, it's all in two, two in one, one in nothing. This exists, which not the many, nor the all, nor the two, nor the one are. Glory to the father and to the mother and to the son and to the daughter 
and to the Holy Spirit without and the Holy Spirit within, which was, is, and is to come through the age of ages, six in one per the seven in one name, Ararita. After I'd done my own notes, I finally found a couple of commentaries that other people have put up online. Everyone is struggling with the wording here. Usually you can figure out what's going on, but this one is kind of weird. And I think that is very much intentional on Crowley's part. He wants you to have a very personal view of this. I don't think he wanted to spell out every single detail. And there is nothing that I've ever come across that is an official commentary on this ritual. Mm. Um, you know, I've had correspondence and communication with other adepts and got their opinions. So I just want to make it plain that I'm not giving out the official version. <laughs> I've never come across it. I don't have it. This is my own way of putting it together, including looking at what these other commentators have said. The weird thing, of course, is where we start. Let the adept be armed with his magic rood, his magic cross. Well, it's a, a Christian symbol and provided with his mystic rose. What the heck is that? Um, cutting through to what I think is going on. The magic rood, it's, it's not so much an object, although in, you could use a lance or a wand or a sword if you wanted to represent it. It represents something that involves your passionate involvement in the ritual. You can't just do it the way that sometimes you'll do a vanishing at the end of the day because it's your daily routine. This one, you've got to go in ready to, I hesitate to say crucify yourself, but certainly to throw yourself in ecstatically into whatever's going to come back here. Mm -hmm. And provided with his mystic rose, that could be a symbol for all of the stuff you've learned and all of the understanding that's open for you. Although I think in this case, he's probably referring to a rose cross laman. Mm -hmm. I would certainly use a rose cross laman here. The magic rood is simply, you know, I need to be in the right mood to do this. I've got to throw myself in wholeheartedly. And there's only going to be a result if I do that. So I'm not just intoning names. I'm You've got to do this one passionately. You've mm -hmm. got to go beyond rational concerns about the whole thing. The wording is interesting as well because we have the magic rood and the mystic rose. Yes. Magic root is, is the intention here. It's like you're going to throw energy at this thing. The mystic rose is where you've been absorbed in all of these things that have happened to you until you got to this point. This isn't a beginner ritual. You could try it. You might even get a result, but you would need to know a bit of magical stuff, I'd say, before you get into the the nitty star nitty. sapphire. <laughs> whoa, 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 star sapphire. Remember that one? <laughs> okay. In the center, let him give the LVX signs. I, you know, the sign of Osiris, the sign of uh, Apophis and Typhon, the sign of Isis. Or if he know them, if he will and dare do them and can keep silent about them, the signs of NOX being the signs of Puevir and Puella and Mulier. In other words, you've got to do this not just as a pro forma thing, but with all of the to, to know, to will, to dare and keep silent stuff. 
This has got to be a pretty intense ritual. You don't do the sign of Isis rejoicing where she's holding the, the star child, the newborn Horus, in her arms and nourishing it from her breast. That at this point hasn't happened. Now then you advance to the east and make the holy hexagram. Does he mean, you know, the hexagram which is holy, or is he saying something specific here? My own impression, and I don't think I'm alone in this one, is that you are using the standard Morgan David six-pointed symmetrical hexagram that you would see on the Israeli flag or outside your local synagogue, or alternatively, you might want to use the unicursal hexagram. I've tried this with both. I find the Mark and David star is the one that is effective. The, the unicursal for me didn't work. Somebody else I spoke to said, oh, I started with the Mark and David, but when I switched to the unicursal hexagram, wow, the thing really came alive. Hmm. So that's a matter of preference. But you make it in four directions. Now you're looking at the east and say, father and mother, one God, Ararita, which means that father is over here on your left in the northeast corner, mother is in the southeast and the right-hand corner. These deities or parts of Yodhe-Vavhe are in the corners of your temple. Important point to bear in mind, father is not in the east, mother is not in the south. They're in the corners. Mm. Each facet of your four-sided regular room that you're using as a temple has the meeting point of two of these. And you go all the way around. By the time you come back to the east, you've actually traced a circle. And implicitly, there is a cross in the middle of your temple, like an X linking these so you've got a kind of a an x symbol circled and there you are in the middle of this then let him then return to the center crowley writes and so to the center of all the key thing anytime you're working with thelema is there's a link back to ancient egypt which had the concept that every temple was actually built on the primeval mound Tanen, the first thing that came out of the floods of chaos at the beginning of creation. You're at the point of the center of all, the beginning of all. You're not just in the middle of, you know, one corner and half of your bedroom or whatever it is you use for a ceremonial space. Making the rosy cross as he may know how. I don't think that means, you know, you have to know the Thelemic secret. Rather, it's your way of doing it. So, trace something that to you represents the rosy cross you might with your wand or other implement trace that pattern on the floor that you've already got here the x in the circle you might trace such a circle and cross in the east whatever you know turns you on and then say ararita 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 so you are really hitting hard. This is the Rose Cross ritual. In this, the signs shall be those of Set, Triumphant, and of Baphomet. Also shall Set appear in the circle. Let him drink of the sacrament and let him communicate the same. That's one hell of a mouthful. 
<laughs> um, the way I do it is I make a rose cross symbol as described. Then the sign of set triumphant, which is arms reaching up to the heavens. You're not just sort of standing there, you know, making faces at God. You are again throwing yourself in this effort to reach the high, absolute highest. Set triumphant. You've you've got the power, and away you go. Or at least you're giving yourself the power. And then there is the receptive symbol, the sign of Baphomet, which is the same as Moulier, feet apart arms forming kind of a semicircle, head tilted back, and you're receiving whatever comes back. Set triumphant also shall set appear in the circle. Let him drink of the sacrament and let him communicate the same. Now, if you want to do a three-hour extra podcast sometime, we can do it on set. <laughs> of what set represents that would actually be worthwhile at least uh, maybe whether or not three hours i don't know but uh, <laughs> certainly exploring the subject because it comes up t time and again and i think it's one of those points of contention and uh, would certainly be interesting to delve into keeping it under let's say three minutes not three <laughs> hours first of all set is damn hard to understand the initial stories that we had about set osiris isis and horus were Greek tellings of the story from late period Egypt. So it, it comes through a Greek filter, and these gods have personalities. Whereas when you're really working with the Egyptian gods, you find they're kind of like forces of the cosmos rather than personalities, in my experience. And not all of them, but the majority of them. So Set is what he is. And he's several things. Even the translated ancient Egyptian inscriptions, there's one in particular that says, you know, he is the uncle, the evil uncle of Horus, who is the son of Isis and Osiris. Then in the same text, it says that Horus is the brother of Set. Hello. Hmm. You've already got Horus is the, the product of incest already. Plus, there's been this situation where Neftis, who can't get pregnant from Set because he's sterile, she's the twin sister of Isis, sneaks into the bed, says, let's get it on Osiris, and then she supposedly conceives Anubis. That's one version of the story. The sex lives of this family are just spectacular. If you are into a regular Freudian analysis of family dynamics, you can have a blast with this lot. <laughs> um, when Horus and Set start contending for the rulership of Egypt, there's a lot of factors here. The old archaeological theory is that Horus represented the delta, which is North Egypt facing onto the Mediterranean Sea, is the fertile part. Lower Egypt. Mm -hmm. Set is the god of storms and the desert. And of course, by storms, they meant sandstorms, I think, a lot. He is the god of aridity and he's the god of southern Egypt, upper, lower, yeah, upper Egypt. It gets confusing because yeah. we always down is south and up is north. Um, perhaps there was war between the Delta kings and the desert or the lower, the, the river kings of Egypt. And eventually, after decades, they patched it up, or one guy won. 
But then it gets confusing because you see quite a few manuscripts and carvings with Horus and Set as buddies. They're shaking hands or holding hands, and they've reconciled things. They are a kind of composite deity. The thing that always strikes me when I see those is what I see here in Mexico, which is a lot of people have this little shrine set into an outer wall of St. Michael subduing Satan. And you've got Michael there, you know, menacing Satan with his sword or a spear, and Satan looking like he's got a really chronic fit of constipation going on, you know, and very, very nasty expression on his face. To a magician, you realize there are two facets of the same kind of force. Hmm. And I think there's an expression here of violence, war, militaristic stuff that Horus represents one aspect of it, which is organized, purposeful, coordinated, and set represents chaotic violence, the storm, confusion contradictions all over the place. I don't know, I came across this thing and I can't find a lot of information about it. It's one technical paper that was published. I still wonder if it was a hoax of a late Egyptian story that in fact Set has sexual relations with a Sumerian goddess and gives birth to a crocodile god called Maga, M-A-G-A. Mm-hmm. Now, I seriously, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if it turns out that the guy was having a huge hoax waiting for someone to expose it. Um, but it's a marvelous synchronicity if it's a real thing. I'd never heard of Maga the crocodile before. <laughs> it's but, getting too much because I was the first image that was coming to mind with this idea of uh, Horus and Set shaking hands. All I could think about was like political uh, <laughs> propaganda, sort of like World War II kind of nationalistic uh, ideas of like we'll join hands and fight the Nazis together. <laughs> this kind of thing. I'm sure the fighting's over when we'll hate each other yeah. again. <laughs> we can we'll go back to the nationals. Yes, <laughs> exactly. So there's a great amount of mystery about set but i think he does always represent a kind of primal energy nefesh enemy the the, uh, enemy nefesh energy Hmm. the energy of the vital soul the the dynamic biological forces almost as a side note there's also this subplot in the war between horus and set where set sodomizes horus and he's supposed to be conveying some of his strength through his semen to Horus through this sex act. But I don't have a lot of good stuff that I can trust on this, but apparently semen was seen as a kind of a dangerous substance in Egypt, not a fertility substance. And Horus ends up weakened. It ends up with Isis getting some of Horus semen and putting it on lettuce leaves, which were considered a delicacy, offering them to set. So you know, Horus' mom gets some of his semen. Uh, seriously, <laughs> it's a Freudian paradise, this family. And that balances things. Horus partly or entirely emasculates set in the fighting. Set tears out one or both of Horus' eyes, which Horus at least gets one of them back later on. So there's all this intense interaction. 
They're very much interwoven with each other. They can't get away from each other. They are facets of the same kind of energy. That's my take on it. I like the uh, fact that there's a, a sort of yin-yang kind of thing going on where you've got yes. uh, <laughs> this cross <laughs> yeah. cross um, semination, literally. <laughs> there's also a thing here in the signs we did. The sign of set triumphant. Okay, that's pretty clear. Let's just set. And a baphomet. Now... Baphomet, we've seen the image many times. It's a human figure with a goat's head, female breasts, presumably male genitalia, sort of goat horns, but also the torch on top and the wings. Mm -hmm. The torch, actually, the flame at the top of the torch is in Ketha. Baphomet is an impossible creature. It's a hybrid. It's a chimera. It, it brings together elements of different species in something that doesn't actually exist in nature. Mm -hmm. But there's deep meaning in Baphomet. It's not just, oh, my God, it's the devil. No, no, no. Look closely. Look at that ketholite. Look at the wings which say this is a spiritual being. The set creature has given rise to a whole load of master's degree university papers with people trying to figure it out. Because the snout seems to be that of an anteater, <clears throat> but I don't think they get anteaters like that in Egypt. Possibly some were brought up as gifts to Pharaoh by visitors. The ears are these funny things with flat tops, which, again, there is no animal that exactly represents that. Set is an impossible creature. Hmm. Anubis is often shown just as a black jackal. <laughs> you know, Scooby-Doo, as an old friend of mine used to call it. It's a real animal. Isis, Neftis, and Osiris are human beings. Horus, of course, again, combines the hawk head with the human body. But a hawk is a real animal, a human is a real animal. Set is something related to the concept of Baphomet, the impossible being that implies something that I can only tie myself in knots trying to analyze or describe here. Hmm. You have to accept that he is always going to be paradoxical and can't be properly pinned down. Also, Set shall appear in the circle. Does that mean that suddenly you see this guy with the funny snout and the funny ears? You might. Um, I think that, in fact, when you've done the signs of Set Triumphant and of Baphomet, you're actually conscious of the Set force in its most, I hesitate to use the word, but I can't think of a better one, most positive form. Energy, dynamism, striving to attain to annihilate itself in Nuit, annihilate itself in the Holy Guardian Angel, annihilate itself in ecstasy. The whole core thing of Thelema. There it is. Let him drink of the sacrament and let him communicate the same. The sacrament is whatever happens to come at that moment. It's not something that you have actually specifically talked about in the ritual it's just a consequence of having performed this the blessing the grace 
you know, there is the dove and there is the serpent. Well, if Set is the serpent, this is the dove. That's the sacrament. And let him, lowercase him, which means the adept, not Set itself, let him communicate the same. Communicate to whom or what. I'm left thinking that it's communicated to oneself, the actual practitioner. Let him appreciate from his angel self, his you know, higher consciousness, let his more mundane self appreciate this. Let him see, wow, something really cool happened here. I feel kind of buzzed. I don't know quite how to define the buzz, but man, the buzz there is, no doubt about it. Hmm. Then there is this sort of celebratory or you know, statement of victory thing, omnia in duos, duo in unum, all in two, two in one, one in nothing. Hayek nek quator, hang on, let me get my notes again, because <laughs> trying to remember how to do this online, I could remember it normally. Haik nek quator, nek omnia, nek duo, nek unus. Nek unus, nek nihil sunt. Gloria patriot matria filio et filii. Glory to the mother and the father. Yeah, here we, here we are. All in two, two in one, one in nothing. This exists, which not the many, nor the all, nor the two, nor the one are. Glory to the father and to the mother and to the son and to the daughter and to the Holy Spirit without and the Holy Spirit within which was and is and is to come through the ages of ages, six in one, per the seven in one name, Ararita. All in two, two in one, one in nothing. Um, this exists, which not the many, nor the all, nor the two, nor the one are. It, it, it's something beyond any categories or descriptions or definitions. The cool thing has happened, at least to some extent here. Glory to the father and the mother and the son and the daughter, that is the whole of yod Hey, the whole deal and to the Holy Spirit without, and to the Holy Spirit within. One way of looking at that is to say that set is the Holy Spirit without. It's the energy of the HGA. The Holy Spirit within is the actual Horus archetype clicking in and saying, okay, you made contact here. I recognize your existence, which was and is and is to come through the ages of ages. It's an eternal thing it's not just you know hey we did a call invocation tonight this thing exists out of space and time in fact cycle is cyclorum can be interpreted as world without end or eternity of eternities and various other phrases like that six in one which is a teferith thing um per the seven in one name ararita because six in one also implies six plus one, giving you seven. Seven in one, seven and one brings you back again to hold the Sephira down there on the left of the tree, lowest one on the pillar of severity. Ararita is declared. And then you make not the NOX signs again, but the LVX ones. That is what the adept is doing. But what was invoked is taking things from that point onward. So you are stepping back from this and being a bit objective about what you've just done. Mm -hmm. 
That's quite a mouthful of stuff. It's kind of, as I said, this is just one person's experience with it, but I found that this thing is a cool deal. Mm -hmm. The reason it's called the Star Sapphire, of course, and Crowley does mention this in 777, with a rounded sapphire, that is a cabochon or a bead or a sphere, you can, with a star sapphire, see a, an X in the middle of the thing, which is purely a result of how much magnetite that is distributed through the gem. Mm. A regular sapphire that's cut with flat facets, you don't get that effect. But the star sapphire is a product of an apparent thing. So calling it a star sapphire is like saying it appears that this star sapphire thing you've done is what you're about, but in fact, it's just a means for going beyond. And I think it actually touches Bina. It doesn't take you into Bina, no, but it points the way up towards a much deeper experience than you would normally have doing a regular lesser ritual of the hexagram, as in described in all of the magic books and all of the YouTube videos that we've seen. Hmm. One other quick point I'll make at this point, which is that NOX, Crowley enumerates that in 777 to Nun Ain Tsadi, or 50 plus 70 plus 90, or 210. He has 12 other correspondences listed to that number, so it's a, an important thing, it's an important number. But also, Omnir in Duos, Duo in Unum, Unus in Nihil, two, one nothing mm -hmm. is actually there in the latin so he's pointing us again towards nox which is why i say i think this kicks us up to a kind of a glimpse of bina to something beyond regular adept consciousness it's something supernal you're not going to be able to say much that's logical about it but on the times when it really works well you feel that you have gone further than you've been before. And that's why I really like this particular ritual. Thank you for joining us. Love is the law, love under will. Look for Toronto Thelema on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Watch for events in the city. And join us again in the darkly splendid abodes. 